Solve the World, a fictional adventure told in 100 episodes. Episode 46, At the Edge. Unusual though they may be, the colors they radiated were enchanting. Leaving all the broken underneath. To scream. Too quietly. Before spotting the Will of the Wisps, if you'd asked Jen to imagine a phosphorescent light that emanated in strictly pastel hues, she would have been hard-pressed to actually conjure up such an image. But down there, in that deep, deep hole, these bodiless orbs sparkled pastel. And were they whispering? Whispering. It was midnight, maybe a few clicks past. The magic trick that was solving the Minotaur's labyrinth by way of sudden personal growth did not have the accompanying reaction of satisfaction that one might surmise. When Jen, as Naime, asked Adela, Volva, and whoever else she could as to how she was able to grow, she was uniformly laughed at and subsequently ignored. When she tried to dig, tried to not let the subject at hand go by willy-nilly, the result from Adela and his colleagues came out as... You should be happy, Naime. You've found your destiny. It's taken others ages to discover theirs. You found yours in near record time. Keep up the good work. Continue to strive here at the center. And before you know it, you'll be replacing Mama Beck as queen of the palace. This was not the answer Jennifer wanted precisely because it wasn't an answer at all. FYI, when Naima was finally leaving the maze, when she was on the final straightaway, she apparently shrank back down to normal size, so that when she passed the exit, she was normal once more. Deep in her soul, Jennifer needed an answer to this question. Long ago, when Jen had set out to solve the world, she began her journey under the impression that it was the outside world that was the mystery. This was allowable because Jen could trust herself, because Jen knew herself. When she walked down the road away from her front screen door in Louisiana, Jennifer Dash knew she was good at walking, fair enough at running, and maybe adequate at dodging. If you did ask her, she would also be very confident that she was not able to grow exponentially just by focusing on the letters G-R-O-W. Now that this was, apparently, a weapon in her personal arsenal, Jennifer Dash was having a crisis of self. 
Who was she, this woman who could do the extraordinary? Was this ability always something she had locked away inside, or is it something that the center planted in her? Jen didn't know which answer was worse. She stared down at the supposedly never-ending pit just past her feet. The sparkling night wisps, whatever they were, made the idea of just letting go, jumping in, all the more seductive. On this night, truth be told, Jennifer Dash hated herself. As she walked to the pit, trying to think rationally, she enumerated her grievances against herself. Grievance number one. The guidelines she was given. Given by one of the few trustworthy persons she'd met on her long escapade. Well, those guidelines, she'd broken almost all of them. Most notably, guideline number one. Don't be a stinking murderer. Worse still, a stinking orphan murderer. Grievance number two. With her silly dalliance with that moral crook, Antonio Danconia, she'd scared off Atticus, the person she cared about the most in the whole world right now. And even if she forgave herself for the actual encounter, she was stupid enough to blurt out the story to Atticus, thus sealing her fate and turning the boy against her. What a stupid slut she was. 3. Robin, the lost orphan whom Jen tried to rescue, appeared to her in the maze and told her he had died. In her heart of hearts, whatever the vision was, whether that was really the lost boy of Liechtenstein or not, Jennifer Dash knew his words were true. Robin was dead. Robin was dead. A sweet, smart, abandoned little boy who needed and rightfully deserved someone to look after him, someone to protect him. And what had Jen done? She gave him over to Lilith Babbitt. Lilith Babbitt, who Captain Alf pleaded with Jen not to trust. Lilith Babbitt, who apparently torched an entire Peruvian village just to get her hands on the Croatoan. If Robin was really dead, he was dead because he ended up with Lilith. Why didn't Jen return him back to his aunt in Zurich? That was the whole reason she went to Liechtenstein to begin with, to bring Robin back to his nurse aunt. How could Jen be so cruel, so blind, so stupid? Grievance number four. This horrible other hand. Jen hated it. Hated it. Hated it. She wanted to rip it off. Better to have one hand, but know in your spirit that you are what you are, than to have two hands, but one of them's against you. Why did Jen think the hand was in revolt? No reason, really. But she believed hook, line, and sinker nonetheless. It was evil. It was different. And she hated it. Number five. In the morning, Jen had come to the conclusion that the hand had to go. She'd kept the dagger she took to the maze with her, and she naively suspected that since her hand transfusion was so new, maybe it would cut off easy. But when she put blade to skin, Jen hyperventilated. It hurt. And then the blood came. Tiff's blood, said a voice in her head. The blade fell down and out of Jen's hand. It was too much. Jen was a coward. A coward who couldn't do what needed to be done. There remained now just one way to get rid of the hand. A much easier way. No cutting necessary. Jump into the pit. There's a black wind blowing in the winter stream. 
telling stories of a heavy sleep And I've heard the sun through the rustle of the trees Senseless in the cold I'm following leaves There would be one of two outcomes. Either Adela, and therefore the center as a whole, was built upon lies and the pit ended with the unmerciful thud of hard earth, or everything Naime saw and experienced here was true. She'd pop up on the other side of the world and continue her training amidst a new backdrop. That might get her out of the doldrums of despair. It might. Jen conceded to herself that Marshall Winston had to be right. The pit, surely, had an end. If she jumped, she'd go splat. The wisps would feed off her dead blood, high-fiving themselves on another successful body heist. There was no tunnel through the earth. Jen had once been to the very depths, a thousand steps down, and besides finding the piper, she heard the cries, the moans. There was something deep down there, deep and big and in pain. Now, in this moment, through depressed eyes, Jen saw the world as it was. A place that had a tortured giant, a true giant, at the epicenter. That was life. Misery at its most specific. Life is a tortured giant moaning just under the surface. Don't you go jumping on me now. You're the only one around here I like. The voice was Marshall Winston's. How'd you find me? Jen responded. I was told to keep an eye on you today. You're not fooling anyone. You wear your emotions on your sleeve, Naime. You've done that since the day I laid eyes on you. I can't solve the world, Jen said, staring at the beckoning, pastel-laden wisps below. Whoever gave you the idea that you ever could? I'm going to jump, Marshall. It's the best thing for everyone. Okay. If that's what you feel you have to do. But can we talk first? I don't want to talk. For my sake. If you jump, if you leave me, then I'll have this remorse to deal with. If I have to live with that, I at least want to know that I said everything I could. Please, just for a moment. Sit. Jen submitted to Marshall Winston's suggestion. She sat on the edge with her feet dangling over the infinite edge. Marshall Winston followed suit, sitting right beside her and offering an arm and a shoulder to lean on. I told you I almost died in the maze, right? Yeah. You said you had to use karate to get out of it. Beat the Minotaur, I presume. Nah. The Minotaur serves one purpose. To cause panic. The misery of the maze comes from the pukas. The... The what? You see any giant bunny rabbits in there? Yeah, just for a moment, then they'd turn into people I knew. Ah. What people? Tell me about it. No. You tell me what pukas are. Jen's voice was timid, but inflexible. They're spirits. What sort of spirits? I don't know. Mischievous ones, I guess? They show up sometimes for ceremonies, but mostly, I think, they stay in the labyrinth. And they... and they can change into any person they want? I don't think so. I think they're limited. I think... I think they read your brain and project your thoughts. When I was in there, they turned into my parents. 
just around every corner. My parents. Oh, look over there, to my left. There's my father yelling at me for wetting the bed. Oh, to the right, mother's tattling on me. Oh, come again? Now both of them are telling me how much of a disappointment I've turned out to be? Marshall Winston's face was lit pink from the wisps as he smirked. It sounds so dumb and cliche now, but at the time... Man, I wanted to rip my ears off to make it stop. How did you make it stop? Still seeing them, eh? No, but I can't forget. I attacked them. I karate chopped them. And that worked? Of course not, but it felt pretty good. Therapeutic after a while, really. How long did you end up spending in the maze? Three days. Three days? Yep, like I said, nearly killed me. I can't imagine. How'd you get out? <sighs> Who'd you see that bothered you so much? Why am I out here in the middle of the night, Naime? I saw an old friend, and he condemned you. Called you names? No, he acted pretty much like he always acts. He's always been nice to me. So, what's the problem? I grew, Marshall. That's how I got out. My friend, Red Jeb, he told me to focus on my destiny, tall. And so I thought about growing. And I did. Like a magic beanstalk, I must have been 13, 14 feet tall. No. Yes, that's exactly what happened. Red Jeb told me to be tall. I became tall. Marshall Winston smiled woefully. No, Naime, you didn't grow. I did. The Minotaur ran away. Oh, I'm sure he ran away, yeah. I grew. I grew. I was taller than the walls. That's how I could see out. Find the exit. <sighs> Whatever you do, and really, ultimately, if you want to jump into this pit and die with the same curse splat that thousands already have, be my guest. That's your choice. I won't stop you from being you. But do me a favor, don't die because of a trick. It wasn't a trick. Everything's a trick here. Everything's a trick. The Minotaur? You think the Minotaur is a trick? Jen lifted up her shirt. This was an unexpected excitement for Marsha Winston. Jen's skin remained in view for several seconds. Due to the dark, as well as the strange illumination from the floating jellies below, it took Marsha Winston quite a while to see Jen's point. As it turned out, the right side of Jen's body was black and blue. Her broken ribs were on display. Some trick, Jen said defiantly. No, I mean, the Minotaur was real. Marshall Winston sighed, tired. <sighs> All the best tricks in the world meld real with unreal. If the Pukas didn't show, if the Minotaur didn't destroy your body, you'd never accept this growth thing so fast. But, fused with the real things, they work. I'm gonna be blunt with you, okay? The reason you managed to get out of the maze so fast, the reason you lasted only a few hours while I lasted a few days, is because the center takes you to your breaking point. However long that takes, everyone who goes into the maze comes out. No one's ever killed by the Minotaur. Honestly, you prove that you're too fragile right now. That's why we're having this conversation. I was able to shake off my labyrinth experience. You're considering suicide. You're too weak, Naime. I think that's the real reason you're here right now. You're ashamed of yourself. And for the first time, maybe in your whole life, you believe you're not strong enough. You came here with a lot of self-confidence. I could see it on your face immediately. There was nothing on earth you had more faith in than yourself. That's what the center is trying to break you of, even if it costs you your life. Jen was silent, then found the question she wanted. Everyone makes it out of the maze alive? Don't you think that if the Minotaur wanted you dead, 
you'd be dead. But Jen knew why she was alive. The Minotaur's horns were too far apart. That's why she wasn't skewered. Her body just so happened to line up to fit perfectly between the eyes. It was dumb luck, not predestination. Tell me this, Marshall Winston continued. You say you grew over the walls. Did you notice the Minotaur's height after you grew? Were you taller than him, or were you still looking up at him? He was running away. I couldn't tell. Naima, you didn't grow. The walls shrank. The whole thing's rigged up. When they thought you were broken, they pulled the branches down. There's a walking path underneath the maze. They walk underneath the maze and do all sorts of things to terrorize the victims up above ground. In all sorts of ways. With you, it was easy. They just pulled the walls down. You thought you were growing. You didn't doubt it because you were somehow expecting to grow. Jen shimmied her bottom closer to the edge. Both hands on the edge, ready to breathlessly, seamlessly, eloquently nudge yourself over that edge. Into the wisps. End the game. End the world. Right now. Atticus hates you. No one loves you. And the ghost of Regeb Heller, your ancient friend, is lying to you. Jennifer Dash, it would have been better if you were never born. You are a plague on this earth. You'll never find Leviathan. You'll never be with Atticus or anyone you care for. Oh yeah, and the Piper will always haunt you. Follow his fife call right now. Fall into it, into the blackness, into the hole. Let the wisps take you. Now, push, just a little. It'll be nothing so easy, simple, push. One last question, Jen said, listening. I've seen the shadows of the Pied Piper everywhere in all my travels. And he showed up in the maze. Yeah. Who is he? You really should talk to Mama Beck about him. I don't know much. But you know something? Yeah. I know something. Tell me. You know how you were telling me about this Mrs. Moose? Uh, an old cartoonist in California? Yeah. And she said that the world was split between two warring factions. Yeah. The center would be against a woman like her. No. Why? Because if you're not with us, you're against us. I don't... I don't understand. The center, and what the center stands for, is on one side of the war. The Pied Piper, well, he's on the other. I hate him, Jen said, and she never felt more sure of anything in her life. I hate the Pied Piper. There was strength in saying these words. Suddenly, Jen didn't feel so aimless, so helpless. There's gonna be casualties. That's why they teach us not to have empathy. Because this is war. And if we stop to cry for every lost soul, then we're gonna be beat. The Piper and who he stands for is gonna demolish us. Jen's eyes went big. She pulled herself back, off the tip-top edge of the pit. But you don't have to be evil to be evil. Ha! <laughs> yeah, well said. You know why I'm still here? You've told me no one leaves. Yeah, that's true. And as scary as it sounds, it's necessary. But think, or don't think, just look at those wisps. Yes, they serve something of a diabolical purpose. They lure people to their death. But there's an important difference here. They don't kill. The Minotaur, he doesn't kill. No one kills here. They make it easy. They allow for death to be a choice. But it is always volitional. For me, that's why I'm okay with this place. There's a war, and if you only look at one side, no matter which side it is, it's going to look bloody, 
and there's going to be things that don't make sense, and yeah, even things that seem evil. But once you know the other side, the Piper and his sort, once you know them, you'll see how reasonable our side really is. If I stay, I'd get the fight against him? Who, the Piper? Yeah, you betcha, absolutely. <sighs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Marshal Winston. I think I'm okay now. Glad to hear it. You want to walk with me back to camp? Okay. The two got up and moseyed on back to the center. Along the way, Marshal Winston said, I'll see if I can't arrange a one-on-one with you and Mama Beck. She'll be able to scratch that Pied Piper itch for you better than I ever could. Thank you, Marshal. You bet, name. A spot of light, a comfort in defeat. Faces in a crowd I'll never meet I've never known the train to beat so quick Leaving all the thorough underneath To be in the dust you see Jennifer Dash was back from the brink, back to being Naime, through and through. The Lost Boy, Tiff, even Atticus. Maybe they were all just casualties in a war behind the veils. She never really understood the Patriots versus the Parrots, the proxy fight between the CIA versus the FBI. That always seemed like two sides of the same coin. This had a different feel. The Druidry, a place of real magic, real awe-inspiring stuff, against the Wicked Piper, a figure that steals children, Steals them over and over again, generation after generation. Naima could be a fighter. She could find her sense of self in waging a war against an eternal child napper. Life, life made sense again. Everything could be weighed in a vice calculating the true cost of war. Naima, formerly known as Jennifer Dash, now born again as the true angel of the battle guard against the Pied Piper and his venomous minions. Naima had already met one, that insane truck driver, Dolores Burden. Maybe Mama Beck would let Naima take her out. Maybe Naima was ready to go on a mission. And maybe the rabbi had the narrative wrong after all. If everything's a battle, then maybe Leviathan is on the wrong side. St. George was a saint, after all. If God himself was on his side, the side of the dragon killer, then it had to be good enough for Naime. In the span of just a small conversation, Jennifer Dash had gone from no hope, no mission, to Naime, the patron saint of the front ranks of God's army. This was good. This was hope. This was now. The next morning, a man finished his mandatory 72-hour stay with the controllers. Once again, the controllers were proving their efforts to be utterly futile. The man even convinced lie detector operator Cole to quit his job and leave Ireland entirely. This man showed up to the Druidry Center with one motive in mind, and he was not going to be duped by anyone trying to sidestep him. This was a man who was used to getting his way. He was a mole the finest there ever could be. As he met Mama Beck, Adela, and the General Welcome Committee in the morning, none of them, 
despite all their supposed mental powers, sniffed anything afoul about this man. This man, this mentalist, had come to the Druidry by Newgrange to escape it, and to do so with Jennifer Dash in hand. This man, Miles Faw, very much not dead, was ready to play the game. Hey everybody, Solve the World is produced by myself, Dante Stack. All the sound effects and music we use for this program are under Creative Commons licenses and can be found on our show notes page at DanteStack.com. Thanks! There's an ancient lighthouse standing by the sea Harboring all those cries of missing love And I've seen the salt I've tasted when you just as Jennifer Dash doubles down and bets her chips on the sworn enemy of the Pied Piper, old friend and companion in dark places, Miles Faw, has come to upset that balance and leave the center that she now identifies with. And can he do it without awaking the powers that be to his presence and surreptitious motives? We'll find out next time on Solve the World. I don't know how to be new And you don't know what I've done And you don't know what I've become So you can blame me when you're done Singing to the weeping willows Like the weeping willows like